Thank you all for tuning in to Politics, Religion, and Whiskey, the Josh Terry Podcast, brought to you by Raising Grace Studios. Uh, I'd like to give a big shout out to Two Pilots Distillery, our sponsor this month, or one of them. Red Circle for you making me a little bit of change. Uh, let's see who else. Uh, our artist of the week last week, Miss Kristen Kelly. I really hope y'all got to go check her out. Uh, thank y'all for all the downloads, by the way. And remember, if you want a chance to win $1,000 at the end of February, you have to go subscribe to the podcast and download every single episode. And last but not least, uh, if you like this show, please make a donation. Cash app is dollar sign JLTerry87 and Venmo is Raisin Grace. Uh, I got to go to Nashville, Nashville a few weeks ago and I got to meet some uh, some badasses. I got to have a couple drinks with uh, Miss Kristen Kelly uh ashley mcbride all these folks um and my boy lee tucker introduced me to the guy that we're gonna have on the show today who uh he won me over right off the freaking bat when he was doing the writers round the um something worth saying writers round uh mr jesse wayne taylor how are you doing today sir brother man i am doing more than all right i'm more than Right. It's pretty out here in Nashville, Tennessee. Most of that, uh, most of that snow we got has melted up, and uh, it's a little easier to get around town now. I hope so. I saw Lee Tucker's fat ass walking through the snow yesterday, and all I could think about is I wish I had a fucking camera there to watch him bust his ass. That's hilarious. Not for real. I definitely busted my butt at least one time. I was walking through a parking lot, man, and it was like twelve o'clock. And uh, I was on the snow part, and I knew it was slick. And I saw like a, 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 a patch of black, and I thought, man, I'm, that's, I'm straight. That's good. I can step on that patch. And, dude, when I stepped on that patch, it was twice as slick as what I was on. <laughs> and uh, I hit the ground and took out a hip. But I rolled up pretty quick, dude. I didn't want anybody to see me. You know, I, I was a little embarrassed. Oh, I'm sure there's a lot of people right now that's embarrassed in Nashville for how they're walking. <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah. I've seen plenty of videos on Facebook. See, that's why I hopped up so fast because I was like, dude. Oh, you knew somebody, somebody was watching. Somebody sneaking around the corner capturing that. Absolutely. Um, So, you were one of the ones, dude, that had that writer's round. I'm just telling you, uh, you you stole the show. Um, You were one of the ones. Everybody stole the damn show that night. But you played a, a song that uh, you co-wrote with some veterans, and that hit me right in the damn chest. Um, I'm trying my best cause I've been listening to, uh, your EP, the, uh, slowing down EP, um, which if you don't have, if you, if you don't have it, Jesse is our artist that artist that we're featuring this week, our feature artist all week. And his, uh, his newest EP is slowing down Jesse Wayne Taylor. Y'all go listen to it. There is a song on here called Papa's paycheck that I've listened to fucking a thousand times. I even, <laughs> I even, I even texted you the next day while I was up there, and I was like, uh, "Thanks for making me cry. I, I very much appreciate it. Um, it." It got me. He he is a beast. Uh, I like what he's doing. I like the music that he's putting out. Um, you also did "Shoot Me Straight" that night, I think, too. Besides for "Unbroken," you remember the other two you did that night? Yes, sir. "Unbroken," "Shoot You Straight," and then I believe I did. Uh... A song that I wrote with Joe Fortner called uh, "What You Can't Control," and that may have been the three, but there's. I think oh, I hold four. up! What I did with my buddy Rod Davis too, called uh, oh, and Matt Bell, Rod Davis and Matt Bell. It's called "No Wings." 
I did that one at the end. I forgot about that. Uh, I'm just going to tell you, I'm a uh, a stickler for if we we buddies and I don't get some demos, then we can't be buddies no more. <laughs> you know what? I can hook you up. Cool. I can hook you. I, I think I already started that that routine. You I did. I've got, I've got I've got one. I, I know you sent me one that was really Come good. Come on, Sean. So, uh, one thing that I love to do is, uh, I love Nashville for some parts. So I love the people in Nashville. I don't necessarily like the way that the music business is set up. And I think that more people need to hear from real deal musicians and not knocking anybody up there, but folks that really have, Kristen really knocked me on my ass when she said, well, with her song, something worth saying and kind of the whole message behind that writer's round and it made me want to do stuff with musicians that really have a positive message that are writing real words, um, songs with real meaning. And your stuff was just like, boom. Right off the bat, I was hitting you up. So uh, let's let's start off by telling the you know your story from whatever you consider the beginning. How did you end up getting into uh, country music? Yeah, man. I, uh, I was born in Nashville at Baptist Hospital. And uh, both my parents are from Fairview, uh, which is a small town about 45 minutes towards Memphis down I-40. And uh, that's where I grew up. You know, I grew up going to church, Church of Christ. And uh, so I grew up like obviously singing in church, like, you know, together with the church. But then as old as I could, I was trying to lead singing at church. And uh, it was funny the way they would run the service. They would they would make sure they said the closing prayer before they let any kids up there. To lead us <laughs> they would close that prayer. Doggone it, my butt was up there ready to sing for the church. Uh, so, you know, I kind of kind of always enjoyed it from a young age. And uh, I, I grew like I said, grew up in Fairview, lived there and went to school there until I was uh, until through my eighth grade year. And then I, uh, I moved up to, uh, I changed schools at that point. I was going to church at Berwyn Hills Church of Christ here in town, uh, along with the rest of my family, of course. And uh, a lot of my friends up there at the church at the time went to Lipscomb High School, David Lipscomb High School. And I uh, mentioned one day, I was like, hey, what, what, what would y'all think about me going to school there? And they were like, well, we never really considered you know, putting you guys in private school, but if that's something that you're interested in, you know, maybe we should talk about it. So they talked about it and then they came back to me and was like, you know, that's where you want to go and think you need to go. Then we're going to put you in school up there. So my mom actually got a job at Lipscomb. My sister went to school that following year as well. And uh, I went all the way through high school there. Then uh, my mother was still working at the university. So my parents, it was very important. <laughs> it was very important for them or for me to go to college in, in their eyes. In my eyes, I did not find it so important. I didn't necessarily want to be there. But my mother worked at the university and I got a discounted tuition. And I thought a lot about it, prayed a lot about it and kind of like, you know, felt guilty, felt like there was a lot of people, um, cause my parents were willing to help, you know, pay to get me through it too, because that was something that they never did. They never got, and they wanted to, you know, be able to have that for us. 
And so I kind of felt guilty. There was a lot of people in this world that, that would love to be able to go to school and would give anything to be in the position that I was in. And I was just kind of like, you know, having a poor attitude about it. So honestly, man, I kind of had to fight that all the way through college. Um, I went there four years at Lipscomb. I, I went to school to be, uh, I was a Bible major. I, I think my initial, Lipscomb's a private uh, Christian college, by the way. And uh, yeah, so I went to school. I think the actual major I started with was youth ministry and maybe like a, I don't know. I had interest in missions as well. So maybe a minor or something in that. I can't remember exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, I stayed that way for about a year and a half, I guess, and then dropped that major. Once we got to uh, the portion of school when I had to either pick up Greek or Hebrew, and I had seen all my friends' classes <laughs> and homework the semester before, and I wasn't super excited about it. That was, uh, I, I, like, I thought maybe learning that would be cool, but having to put in the work to do it was not necessarily. Um, I don't even know English good enough. Uh I, I I dropped out of college prep in high school because I couldn't do Spanish. So there's no way I could figure out Hebrew. No way. That's well. I uh, I also honestly at the same time I'd been working at a church, um, a great church, and uh, I honestly at the same time I, I was a I was a college. I guess my title would have been a college minister um, or something like that. Maybe college intern would have been a better, better, better title there. Um, but I also started drinking around that time and partying some in college. And uh, I, I guess I worked that position for about a half a year. And then I called the people that hired me and told them that I didn't want to work that position the second half of the year like I had previously agreed to. And, uh, yeah, man, at that point, I had been writing some songs. A, uh, an ex-girlfriend had dumped me, and I, I had started writing a little bit before. You know, I kind of wrote some, like, poems and stuff growing up occasionally, and I literally started a boy band, I think, with some buddies at church camp or something whoa, one time. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, we're, we're, not, we're not skipping over boy band. Yeah, dude. I think it was called like the preteens or something with a Z, I think was our cool <laughs> name we came up with. I don't know. Was but, it, uh, it full-blown dance uh, outfit coordinated type deal? Dude, we did. They did do dances. They did do dances. I did most of the singing, but they did do dances to entertain. It was me and two other guys. Well, thank God that you went down a different road. <laughs> Seriously, for real. The good, Lord, the good Lord was watching after you on that one. <laughs> he sure was. He sure was. Oh, gosh, that's hilarious. Okay, so, man, yeah, dude. At that point, um, I really decided to start writing some songs. And my friends uh, totally got a kick out of it. And uh, so did my family, I think. I think it was kind of... Uh, you know, exciting thing for, it was certainly exciting for me. I started writing some songs and like around that time, I, at, at the beginning of my freshman year, I really started playing guitar. You know, a lot of my friends went to different schools, even though I stayed here. Um, a lot of the people went to, you know, schools out of state. So 
I spent a lot of time in my room playing guitar and writing songs in that first year. And, uh, dude, yeah, totally had my fun in college. I was after like, uh, I guess my sophomore year, I would say I was out all the time, especially once I got a fake ID. Ooh. I, uh, yeah, I could get into all the bars downtown. And so I had a pretty good sized beard at that point too. So like, I rarely, there was never, ever really a question. The, the, the ID that I had was expired by a year, but yeah. dude, dude, nobody ever looked at that. There was one lady at a gas station that looked at that and I feel bad that I lied to her. I told her, I said, uh, my girlfriend took my wallet to buy groceries and she lost it. And this is my old ID. Can I please have it back? And she said, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I kept using it, man. And, you know, it, it's honestly the first time I went to a, a show that one of the first shows I remember going to, like by myself, was, I guess, freshman year of college, 18, trying to think of the name of the band, man. And please forgive me, guys, because they're awesome. But I just can't think of the name of the band that opened for them. But uh, the Dirt Drifters, man. Never heard okay. of them. Yeah. Oh, dude, you got to go. They put out like, they put, I think they just put out something new, like maybe a year ago. And forgive me, I haven't like spent the time to like go listen to it. But they put out an album like ten years ago. That's sick, man. You should definitely look. I'm, to, I'm look writing at it. it down as we speak, just with a name like that. I'm interested. I think it's. I'm pretty sure it's the Dirt Drifters. And like I said, forgive me if I'm wrong. But Josh Thompson. I don't know if you're Josh Thompson. Oh fan. yeah, I, I really like Josh Thompson. He, he played after them, and like, dude, like, blame it on Waylon that night, like. Holy cow. I was so freaking hyped, man. Yeah. How, so how old are hyped. you? How old am I now? Yeah. 28. Okay, 28. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that that concert was a big one for me, man. That one was amazing. I got to meet one of the guys in the band that opened. And um, I had, like I said, I just started writing songs, and I was telling people about that. And that was just really exciting for me. And then I also went to a church, Eric Church opened for Alan Jackson downtown free show on DeMondre. Yeah, dude. It was like it was like the stars aligned for me because my granddad was a massive Alan Jackson fan. So I obviously, rightfully so, was a ma- massive Alan Jackson fan. And I don't know Eric, how somebody can't be. Yeah, and then Eric Church was was like the reason. I mean, like. Holy cow, dude. I was the biggest Eric Church fan. and so, I mean, I still am, but I was like, holy cow. I named my dog Chief. Okay? Oh, that a boy. <laughs> that a boy. Well, Church's music is just so different. I mean, you, yeah. you always get folks that say that, but Church just hits you different. It is. It does. It's inspiring. And so that night, I was uh, um, at the show. And honestly, I'm going to be straight up with you. I think that was one of the only sober concerts I went to in college. Like, this was one of the first ones. The, both of those concerts I was sober at. And the rest of them, dude, I definitely was not sober at. And I'll get to a couple more of those here in a minute that, that see you know, some pretty funny stories. Um, but I remember soaking those in from top to bottom and being just amazed. And especially the Eric Church and Alan Jackson one, man. The stories that they told were just really – Moving to me that night. I know I'll tell you one thing, dude. Whenever you go to a concert like Alan Jackson and Eric Church, it is such a different experience. Like, we, we both have backgrounds, and uh, 
well, I shouldn't say backgrounds. We've both been to church. We're both religious. We both believe in God and everything. And when you go to certain concerts, it's almost like a religious experience. It, it, it's really hard to put into words. There's just some sermons, you know, that you remember more than others in life. And then there's just some concerts that I'm telling you, it, I, I really don't know the right terminology for it. But it'll just add a lot of fire under your tail. Yeah, no, dude, you're, you're so right. And there's definitely something, uh, dude, I'd certainly believe there's something spiritual about all of us coming together, singing some music. That's for sure, man. And, uh, it was it, that concert, like it was, it was a really cool night for me. It changed my life. I, I remember leaving and going home and just being like, connecting with people in that way is so cool. And I, and I want to be a part of it somehow. Uh, some way. And so, yeah, dude, at that point, I pretty much tried to go to any concert I could go to. Man. And I was going to all of them. I had the fake ID. I could get into the just bars. So I would just go watch live music. dude. It fired me up. And dude, also like drinking cold beer. It will so, get you in trouble a whole hell of a lot. Dude, but hey, guess what? You're getting both of them in a honky-tonk, son. So you can find my butt there pretty much literally every other night of the week. There was also a few karaoke bars around town. I feel bad for everybody that has never been to an actual honky-tonk scenario. Uh, they are Disneyland to country folk. I, I don't care what anybody says. We used to have one here called Whiskey River. And I would have rather went to Whiskey River and another place called Kerrigan's than I would any other place in the world until Crazy Bull opened up. I love Crazy Bull here. That's where I do a lot of shows at. And, yeah. uh, dude, I'm telling you, Crazy Bull is the last honky-tonk standing. And they're just, they just don't – there's something different. I think yeah. I, I think Tim McGraw's got that song that I really don't like because I don't like the new Tim McGraw. But it's called Neon Church. And uh, that's, that's what they remind me of is Neon Churches. That's hilarious. So, okay – so yeah, dude, I was I was out in them pretty much every night, dude, soaking it up, like just like you know, trying to figure out Nashville. I also I had a friend one night, like what really kind of got me into the whole like songwriting and performing thing. My a friend of mine named Casey Elliott called me up and said, Hey Jesse, I'm gonna be in like this songwriting contest. Do you or like singing kind of? I didn't, I'm not sure exactly what she said, but she was like, Can you come play guitar for me? I was like, Casey, I'm not really that great at guitar. Like, I'm like, I'm okay. I could like sing the songs that I've made up by ear, but like, I, I don't know if you should hire me. Like, I don't know if I should take on this job. And also, I haven't really felt that good this week. Like, you know, I think I had like a sinus <laughs> thing or something. I can't remember, but she talked me into it and I was like, All right, I'll go, I'll play guitar for you. So we go and she talked me into signing up there on the list too. She was like, you got some songs. Why don't you sing them too? While you're here, you might as well while you're here. And so I ended up doing that contest and making a couple rounds into that. And uh, I decided to start doing some like writers rounds and stuff around town. I remember there was, uh, there was, uh, there was a, a place called Belcourt Taps. I say it was a place. There's still a place called Belcourt Taps and I love it. It's still one of my, my favorite places to pop into. Um, but I played there quite a bit in college, man, quite a bit. I got lucky one night. Um, I, I'd i done a, a songwriting contest for a, a, a company, I believe, called 360. The, 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 the contest was called 360 Songwriters something. Forgive me for not remembering. <laughs> I, I, 
a, a poor memory. But my buddy Nate Montgomery played in that songwriting contest with me, and we just exchanged numbers. And he hit me up later and was like, "Hey, man, can you play in a writers round with me and um, Channing Wilson and Rob Snyder?" And at the time, I was like, and still, like, I think about it today, and I'm like, "Dad, go, dude!" Like. All three of those guys, stacked riders. And I was very green at the time, man. I was very green. Um, but I played in that round with them and told the bartender behind the counter, hey, man, if you ever need somebody to fill in or something, I'll look 10 minutes down the road, you call me. I got, I got some friends I can pull together around. We'll make it happen. And so uh, he called me out there pretty frequently after that for fill-ins. And like I said, I was there popping in all the time. And uh, after I got out of college, I just did the songwriters thing, the songwriter round thing while I was in college. I never really was able to make any money doing it. And I met a buddy named Matt Bell through a friend I went to college with uh, around my senior year. And uh, Matt and I hit it off, dude. We started writing some songs together and uh, we, he ended up moving in at my parents' house with us for a little while. And then we moved out. My grandmother passed away. This was right after I graduated. I graduated Lipscomb University with a public relations degree. I guess I forgot to finish that part. Around my junior year of college, <laughs> they called me. That they said, "Hey Jesse, you know I did my freshman year of college. I got two D minuses, and then after that, I did pretty doggone good with my grades." But well, my you did a whole lot better than I did. That my junior year, they called me and uh, they said, Jesse, you can't come back to school unless you pick a major. I said, well, which one's going to get me out of there the quickest? <laughs> <laughs> and communications, I said, specifically what? They said, PR. I said, give it to me, baby. So I PR majored on out of there. And uh, I think I had to take an extra summer to finish up one or two extra classes. And uh, then, like I said, my buddy Matt moved in over at my parents because he it was just up for a, a little while because he, he had to move out of uh, of a friend's house that he was that he had been living in here in Nashville for a little bit. And he was only here for like a month. And then my grandma passed away. Um, I was in Florida on the road with a buddy. He, he and his band were were playing some shows and uh, I ended up catching a flight back to Nashville and after, you know, the funeral and all that, that jazz, of course, my, she, my grandfather had already passed away. So we needed someone to kind of move in and deal with the house. And I was like, hey, dude, you want to move out to my grandma's in, Fair, in Fairview? And he was like, yeah, man. And my dad was like, yeah, y'all just get out there and clean it up and pay for the utilities and, and you know, write some songs. There you so, go. I mean, moved down there to Fairview and Matt ended up uh, Matt at the time had been he had a job I can't remember forgive me I can't remember exactly where he was working but uh, he was picking up gigs around town and he wanted to hit I think he's told me before that he wanted one of his main goals when he moved to town was to have a uh, residency somewhere for a year and uh, he dude I think Matt Bell went to this bar in Franklin every Wednesday night for like a year <laughs> before he ever got, I mean, like I'm serious. One of the most determined dudes I've ever met. Those life. Nashville residency gigs, when you can find a good one, uh -huh. oh boy, they can rock that crowd. They know the crowd. Okay. They know what to play. It is uh, such a good time. Oh yeah. And so, uh, well, and this one actually was out of town. There was, uh, there was a duo playing at it called Walker McGuire. I don't know if you've ever heard of those guys. Um, Jordan Walker and Johnny McGuire. Um, 
anyways, they were they were playing out there together at the time. And Matt Bell, like I said, I think he told me one time he went out there almost every Wednesday for like nine months. And once they dropped the gig, he was like, hey, I'll play this. I'm here. I, I've, I've played on stage out here a few times. I want this gig. And they were like, all right. And, and that guy was kind enough to let me uh, join in on that gig with him. And we played that for about a year. And that gig helped me be able to pay, like stay afloat financially to like continue to just play music, if yeah. that makes sense. And uh, also, dude, I cut my teeth so much in that gig. So much in that gig. That that place was called Losers out in Cool Springs. It was then called Losers, then changed to old school, and that's something else. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, man, we had so much fun at that gig. We learned so many songs, played so many songs, had so many good times, and... Uh, I think, like I said, we played that for like a year and a year and a few weeks. It, it was, it was, it was like maybe a year and a month or something like that. And then we stopped it. Um, but April of, I guess that last year we played that gig. I played a gig out there and uh, I got free drinks. Those are like I, those are always dangerous. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. And like, uh, you know, as a singer, you get a lot of those, right? And so, uh, I uh, I sang for four hours during the day. It was like a two to two to six or something like that. It was really hot outside, and uh, we had a great time. I drank plenty of beers and uh, stuck around for a while after that gig and even uh made my way to another bar and uh, <clears throat> uh in my vehicle and i decided to drive home after that and it was about a 40 minute drive and uh i got like seven or eight minutes from my house in fairview and I looked up at the uh, the red light in front of me and I was like, man, I'm getting real tired. And cut the corner, took a left on Highway 100. Right before you pull into Fairview, Tennessee, there's a big hill you got to pull up. And uh, it's actually, I think, been called Whippoorwill Hill. Oof. And uh, <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, 55 mile an hour stretch for like a mile before you cut up to the left. And then the hill takes you all the way up to the top, right? So I was going down that straightaway and I knew I was really tired and I was certainly drunk. And, uh, I just fell asleep at the wheel, passed out, however you want to call it. And uh, I, I don't remember much, dude, because I got a concussion that night. It was a pretty intense car accident. I do remember trying to correct myself 
and not being able to and uh driving off the road into a uh pretty deep ditch i took out a light pole um and if you look at the picture in my car it looks like it just like smashed take your time big guy take your time Take take you a deep breath. Let me tell you, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of people, dude, that you just got to remember when you share your story, when this shit happens, it happened to you for a reason. And the fact that you're still walking around and, you know, you're you're putting out a positive message with music and everything. You know, the good Lord, uh, I always say, uh, people probably get tired of hearing me say it, I'm a Christian, but I'm not an example setter. I believe that my walk with God is different than everybody else's. And if it would not have been for some of the dumb things I've done, I wouldn't be the person I am today. And uh, I know what you're saying right now is hard, but just know that it, you've got the power right now to help somebody and uh, help yourself too by, you know, getting this off your chest. Yeah. So... <clears throat> I remember trying to correct myself, not being able to do it and uh, going off into the ravine. But I, I don't remember much else after that. There's a brief memory of a gentleman helping me out of my vehicle. Um, then I only remember sitting back and like, remember feeling uh, a lot of moisture looking down at my hands and there was blood all over my hands. I had a big cut on my head and it was just running down uh, my face. And I looked at the car and I kind of remember like gathering myself in that moment. I looked at the guy and I don't remember what I said to him, but I looked at the car and it was on fire and I was like, dude, my guitar's in there. And uh, <laughs> I tried to go get it like an idiot. And that gentleman was kind enough to stop me. And uh, we just sat there and watched it burn until the ambulance showed up. I had about, you know, $3,000 worth of equipment in there. And a big baby Taylor that I love so much. I laid down in the uh, ambulance. You know, I had a big cut up under my side along with the one on my head. So I was losing quite a bit of blood. And uh, I don't remember much, but the officer, I think he, uh, you know, asked permission to take my blood. And I think I said something to the effect of, well, it's kind of all over me, so get what you want. And, uh, but he was very kind all of the people were kind. Um, I got sewed up that night and went home. And, uh, you know, just tried to pretend like it didn't happen. What uh, I couldn't believe that it happened. You can go ahead and say what you're going to say. Go. What'd no, you no, I, I was just wondering, uh, then the next day with them taking your, your blood and everything. 
like uh i'm guessing there's there's some more story to it as far as uh dui or something comes into play yeah. oh yeah yeah oh yeah so so i uh i woke up that morning or i got i don't know I don't really remember waking up the next morning and none of that specifically, but I was hurting pretty bad. I, I had a, that was a very intense car accident and, um, it took me a while to heal up from that. I think it was like two weeks and I was like, I forcing myself to go play that gig, that weekly spot that I had with my buddy, Matt. I was you like, went back the next week, like right off the bat. Later, it was two weeks later, man. I forced myself to go back because I'm telling you, dude, I was trying to pretend like it didn't happen. Like I did not, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I was like not let it phase me. And uh yeah, dude. So I was back and then straight up, you know, honestly, like I drank more that next year probably than I had ever drank. Oh. And like a lot by myself. Uh, you know, it was like I got a you know. I got a DUI at eighteen, and, yeah. And uh, let me tell you, that whole next year, when you said that you tried to act like it didn't happen, I'm telling you, that whole next year, I can't tell you what happened in the year that I was nineteen to twenty. I dr- tried to drink it away. I tried to act like it didn't happen before uh, my probation and everything found out about it. But, uh, and then that was a whole different story getting sent to a rehab detention center for two months. But yeah, you just, when that kind of stuff happens to you and you know, it's self-inflicted, it's like, well, you know what? I'm just going to put a little more, you know, I'm going to punish myself. I think that's what a lot of us think. It was, it was my way of punishing myself the way I treated myself the next year because I thought I deserved it. But in reality, I, I should have never acted like that and probably, and, and you damn sure shouldn't have. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, dude, I totally forgot exactly what I was saying though, honestly. It's um, okay. That's that we can we we bounce around on this show a whole heck of a lot. So you just uh well, we were talking about that whole next year whenever you um yeah, you just, yeah, you yeah. just drank no, no, a lot. No, you're right. Right, you're exactly right. So yeah, honestly, uh, that next year I, I drank more and I didn't get in I didn't get a DUI immediately because you know it took like some of that stuff to like go through, I guess. So I think it was somewhere, forgive me on timelines and stuff. Honestly, like I said, I tried to like pretend like it didn't happen for so long. It's kind of hard to remember all of it exactly now. Um, but, uh, I ended up getting, I think I got like all the court stuff went through and it was official that I got a DUI something of like October. And, uh, Eventually, November uh, 2017 rolled around. Dude, and honestly, I think it like, I mean, honestly, I feel like I like tried to quit drinking for a long time before I actually like quit drinking. If that makes any sense. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I, I know exactly what you mean. And so, um, yeah, man, it, it, like I just kept doing it and kept going and like was honestly pushing myself like um physically i had gained quite a bit of weight i was like 240 um i was singing really hard uh i'm trying to remember the exact timeline and i'll hit you with both of these we'll figure it out together but uh i, I played a six 
six gig stretch, I think. I went up to Indiana and played some gigs. It was like four hour gigs every night. And then the last gig I had on the six gig run was a Monday morning shift at the Valentine on Broadway. It was like, I think 11 to two or something like that. Three hour shift. Man, that night before I had, I already was feeling it so bad, dude. Feeling it like vocally and was just like strapped. And I was like, tomorrow's going to be a hard gig. I roll up in that gig date in like 20 minutes in. I'm hurting worse than I've ever hurt vocally. Yeah. Ever. You know, like there's strain or whatever. I was in pain. And I drank, I drank whiskey through that gig. Um, honestly just hoping that maybe that would help ease the pain that I was feeling in my throat. I literally, I think I texted my, or was going to text my buddy David Evans to see if he would come fill in for me at the gig. But it was like so far into it. I was like, by the time he got here, it'd just be like 20 minutes. So I might as well just finish it or whatever. So I finished that gig and I left and I was like, that, that was the most like painful last hour and a half of my life. Like, that hurt like performance at least wise. And, uh, I remember walking to my car up the street and just being like, I remember praying, like not knowing where I was like supposed to be or what I was supposed to be doing. I was like, dude, this can't be right. Like I've got to fix something like, like vocally this can't be right. Right. And uh, I just remember feeling like God was saying, like, I think you're, I don't mean to say this, like, um, I hope this doesn't come out the wrong way, but I just felt like he was saying like, right now you're giving up your voice for $50 and some free shots of whiskey. And I think we can do a whole lot more with it than that. Well, I think there's a whole lot of times, dude, that, that the good Lord, especially I don't know if you hard headed or not. I'm hard headed. That with hard headed folks, he puts us in our place. And he reminds us every once in a while that if you know you're given a gift, if he blesses you with something, that you know, you know, I can take it just as quick as I damn gave it. And, mm-hmm. and you know, you, you were going through a lot right then, and probably wasn't on the road that you think that you needed to be on. And most, no. of, and most of the time, if we're not on the road that we don't think we need to be on, we're not on the road we need to be on. We're just too hard headed to realize that. Well, I, I will, I'll take it even further. I got a uh, an invitation from my mother one morning. I don't remember exactly when it was or all this, but to go to, um, I, I don't remember what sort of facility it was specifically, but it was some sort of rehab facility. And um, yeah, dude, that rocked me. You know, she literally handed me a packet. So I think you might need some help. Leave it up to our mamas. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> when we don't hear the good Lord loud enough, it usually comes through your mama's voice. <laughs> that's exactly right. And that's hilarious. Mm. So yeah, man. Um, not too long after that. Well, I guess, I guess that happened before that gig on Broadway because, um, that was the last day I had anything to drink. And that was, I believe 
I don't remember what day exactly it was in November. It was either November 1st or the end of November, which would be the 30th or the 31st. What? I didn't study that hard in school. You're asking the wrong one, bro. Well, <laughs> it's been uh, it's been about three and a half years. Cool. And uh, I, I ended up having to go to jail for a weekend. I was on probation for a year, and I spent bukus of money on a DUI. Um Awesome breathalyzer that went into my um, Nissan Altima. I called it the breathalyzer mobile. Quite <laughs> yeah, dude, that was the reaction I was shooting for. Oh no, no, that's great. That's that's wonderful. You know, you, if you've ever had one on your car, if you're anything like me, you're embarrassed that oh. you have a breathalyzer on your car, and that you can't start your car without going. All right, so I caught at the breathalyzer mobile, and I got plenty of laughs. Trust me, but, there are plenty of people that have them. There's nothing to be embarrassed but, about. Well, it wasn't fun, and it cost a whole lot of money. I got that behind me. I started – I had – through college, I had worked at a place called Nashville Armory. I got a job there, I guess, my sophomore year, and I worked there a lot throughout college. And uh, I had to, you know, had to pay for them, uh, them tabs down there at Losers and Winners, you know, after the whiskey jam, Shan. There ain't no way in hell I could have lived in Nashville and had money. (laughs) That's why I don't live there now. I'd be broke all the time. Yeah, man. So, and uh, I had several coworkers there that really loved live music too. So we all went to concerts and stuff while I was there. And I stopped working um, at the end of my senior year, I had saved up some money working there and was like, Hey mom and dad, like I either want to quit school or I want to quit working to do music. One or the other, like doing all three of them, you know, soaking up all my time. And, uh, they were like, well, if you've got enough money saved up to float you till you graduate, then you can quit your job, but you can't, you ain't quitting school. Not this early late on. And then funnier part of that story, I ran into Corey Smith at a bar the tent i think the tin roof on the mumbrum yeah and i harassed him into taking some shots of fireball with me right <laughs> he was super kind dude he was so nice he talked to me there and you know i was super excited to see him and probably have plenty of questions to ask we get over to losers they go over to losers everybody goes over to losers, right it's later in the evening i see him over there again i'm talking to him he's talking his ear off again right dude <laughs> And I looked up at Corey, I said, man, I got to quit. I got to quit school. I can't do music. I'm going to quit school, man. I don't want to finish. I don't want to finish. I'm wasting all my time doing all this because I ain't doing my music. He said, dude, don't be an idiot. And I was like, what are you talking about? He was like, yeah, man, you're almost done. He was like, why would you give that up? He's like, finish that out, get that degree. And then play your music. He was like, I wrote some of the best songs that, um, I, forgive me if I'm quoting him incorrectly, Corey, but I, I feel like he told me I wrote some of the best songs on the way to work. He was a teacher for a while. Yeah. And, uh, he would he would like mentally write songs on the way to and from school. And I think specifically, um, I, I don't I don't remember everything else in the conversation, but I will say that the conversation did impact me greatly, and I did finish staying and get my degree. And uh, after the wreck, and after uh, the DUI and all that jazz, like I said, I had started. I, I I didn't have a way to make money at the time. I was making all of my money sink, and so when I had that vocal issue, like that day, I, I guess I kind of like blew my voice out. If that's the, if like. That's the best way to say it. 
You you probably just overworked it. You you you, yeah. you probably overworked it. Oh, dude, and I was puffing cigarettes too, dude. You better believe. Oh, it didn't even take me two Miller Lights to on the deck, though. Freaking cigarette. <laughs> so, you know, I was doing all that crap too. And so, um, dang it, dude. I blinked. It's okay. Hey, we were talking about Corey Smith, but the funny thing about him is I used to, around here in uh, middle Georgia, he was huge. And he's been big other places too, but in Georgia with him being a Bulldogs fan and all that stuff. Well, back in my younger years when I wasn't as smart as I am now, I used to be a Gator fan. And me and my buddy one night, we were uh, in Macon, Georgia, and he was playing and we were going to see him. We walked in the alleyway behind this place because they wouldn't let anybody in to, to use the bathroom. So we're taking a leak next to the trash cans. Well, we didn't know he was across the street eating. Well, he sees our bare asses or one of our bare asses. And when he starts to walk out, he stops us. We talked to him for a second. He was like, hey, dude, can we get a picture? And uh, he was just as nice as he can be. Uh, he was like, yeah, but you got to take that Florida stuff off. I'll only take a picture with you if you take the Florida stuff off. <laughs> That's hilarious. So, we, yeah. took, so uh, we took the Florida stuff off to get a damn picture with Corey Smith. I wish I still had that picture. Dude, that is so funny. Yeah, I, I enjoyed meeting him and talking to him, and that conversation did. It really did. mean a lot to me, and I, and I stayed in school for, you know, many reasons, but that helped it too. But uh, like I was saying, I guess uh, – sorry, I got, I guess, a little distracted, but I had worked at Nashville Armory for a while and then quit at the – like somewhere in my senior year, like I said, to focus more on music. And um, – after I had the vocal issue, my voice blew out. I decided to stop drinking, and I was like, dude, it's like I'm about to figure something else out to make some money. And I thought, you know what? I wonder if they would have me back out there um, working the, like, range counter, you know, just, like, selling ammo and helping people out on the range and stuff. And I hit them back up, and they were so kind and said, yeah, man, we'll let you pick up some part-time hours here. And that – um, really helped me out a lot, dude. Uh, like that gave me some sort of income again to like, um, not have to rely on singing. Cause at that point my, I had gone to a doctor, an ENT and he was like, you know, you don't have to quit singing, but you definitely got to back it off. And he's like, you know, like drinking, smoking cigarettes, all that stuff. Like, no, no, like that ain't going to help. Like, you ain't gonna, and I basically walked in and said, Hey, I've been drinking, smoking cigarettes, I, but I ain't going to do it anymore. And he was like, yeah, as long as you ain't going to do it anymore. I think you're cool. Like, just like chill out and uh, try not to sing as long, maybe. Um, and so I did that, did some vocal therapy. Um, a couple weeks into working at the Armory, my bosses there gave me uh, a job running like the group events. My title was the development director. And uh, I took a big like golf ball bazooka out to golf tournaments and stuff for promotion and like all kinds of stuff crazy stuff but man it was a really cool job i got to uh <laughs> i got to like teach a lot of people how to shoot machine guns and uh like two people that i could think of that were just like really hard for me to forget were jack white and yellow wolf oh that's cool <laughs> yeah man it was pretty cool uh and uh oh dude so straight up one time i met chris stapleton in there i bet like honestly like just cool people that passed through there, you know, cause like I worked on the range. So like people could come in and just like, who've never had guns before, just like try to shoot a gun, 
right? Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I, I remember one time I worked a, a firework tent for two weeks in the summer. I, I used to do those to try to pick up some heavier cash in a quick amount of time. And I sat, that was the summer I discovered Chris Stapleton, dude. And I sat in that darn tent for two weeks listening to Chris Stapleton YouTube videos because that's all I could find. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I watched all of them up and down. I was teaching myself his songs in that tent. I go back, like, we finished on the 5th at like 3 a.m. in the morning, covered in mud. That year it rained for three days and turned into a mud pit. I was exhausted. I went to bed with like, four hours of sleep woke up the next day and i had to get back to work at the armory and i go in and that place is packed i'm talking like 30 people behind the counter wanting to get on the range to shoot guns and i had to check half of them out you know what i'm saying <laughs> checkout process ain't quick dude yeah so i walk up to the counter and i'm honestly in like zombie mode and i look down and i help one person and i look down and i'm like man this is gonna be a really long day <laughs> And I look back up again, and there is Chris Stapleton. Chris Stapleton standing in all of his glory. And I'm just like. Oh, no, I would have lost my shit. Y'all, I mean, my bearded jaw smacked the <laughs> ground. It smacked the ground and say he was there, I believe, with uh, his brother and maybe his father. And uh, they, I had to send them <clears throat> into the room to, like, watch the safety video. And Chris was like, yeah, I've shot here before. I was like, cool, you can stay here and I'll get you on the list. <clears throat> I look up at him and I'm like, man, normally I'd ask people what their last name is, but I know exactly what yours is. I was like, dude, I've been sitting in a firework tent for two weeks watching videos of you on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I hit him right with it, man. And he goes, he goes, what? For real? And I was like, yeah, dude. I was like, man, you got a killer voice. I love your songs. I love the way you sing. Like, for real, like, thank you for being you. I think I said something weird like that. I don't know. But I would I was have just said like, way worse because you're right. For the people who's never went and watched his videos on YouTube before he blew up, he has got some stuff that he's either covered or stuff he just never released. That yeah, is just my – I've been listening to uh, – and he finally put it on his last EP that maybe you should leave. Oh, my uh, God. Oh, yeah, dude. Uh. I've been here a long time because i've been to several chris's shows man yeah i'll tell you one funny story about um uh so i went it was his it was the album release show for traveler at um the cannery ballroom and i showed up dude, they were selling albums signed albums you had to buy them there for twenty dollars and you didn't get them for two weeks you had to come pick it up at grimes two weeks later but I was like, dude, I'm gonna buy me, I'm gonna buy me a couple of them things. So I went over there and I was like, how much are they? And they were like, twenty dollars. I was like, yeah, dude, I'm gonna buy me like three or four of them, and I'm gonna keep them. I'm gonna keep one forever, but I'm gonna bag them, sell the other ones later on, because this man is gonna be massively famous. And I looked at my dang bank account, and I was like, no, dude, I ain't gonna have enough money to do that and drink as much beer as I want. So I'm just gonna. <laughs> Here, dude. So I bought one album. Thank goodness I bought one. And I went and picked it up at Grimey's. But I dragged the rest of my bear bunny away that night. If, you, if you don't think that ain't a country song right there, being having to spend too much money on beer and not enough money on Chris Stapleton, that right there, that's a song. That's a song. That's exactly right. So yeah, man. Anyways, I uh, I I definitely in that amount of time that I started working at the armory, like I was started working full time, and like 
it's really hard to like invest in music fully and work a full-time job at the same time. So I just kind of like stepped back from everything. I wasn't getting, I'm, I think I maybe went and did some writer's rounds and stuff. My buddy, Paul Compton kept letting me play out at Martin's barbecue. And so every once in a while, I'd go play me a gig at Martin's barbecue and uh, maybe pick up a few other around town occasionally. But I just spent a lot of time, like, honestly, around that time, I, this is kind of crazy too, dude. Around that time I stopped drinking, I decided, I watched the video. <laughs> I was laying in my bed and I had just eaten so much food, like so much food for dinner. And I was like 240 pounds and feeling it, right? And I was like, man, I should watch something about health if I'm just going to lay here like a, like a big old Porky the Pig. And I was like, health in netflix i typed it in and what the health came up so i watched a vegan documentary right and i was like dude that sounds like the worst life a human could live i would never ever want to do that please tell me you're not a vegan no dude so listen but i did (laughs) i ate like a vegan for two years i lost in like a month and a half i lost like 35 pounds like i quit drinking and started eating like a vegan around the same time and it just like melted off um but i ended up losing like 70 pounds total and i am no i do eat meat i killed three deer this year and i love my shrimp i love my salmon i I like my uh my steak and stuff pretty good too um but i'm a big like i love shrimp and i love i really do love salmon too yeah i honestly kind of like any kind of fish so uh kind of to get back to the uh nashville range the thing that really stole like my attention with you the other night was the stuff that you had done with the veterans, the writing yeah. and stuff with them. I'm going to take a wild guess and assume that's where you met them at, or is that not where you met them at? Oh, so great question. So um, I had been working with Creative Vets already. I met my buddy Richard Casper, who started Creative Vets not too long after he moved to town. And I remember – Probably not super clearly, but I do remember meeting him in the bar at Winners. I think it was at a whiskey jam. And uh, we got to talking back in the corner, and, and he was telling me about this thing called Creative Vets that he was starting, and he was trying to help veterans. And I was like, well, tell me more about it. That's really cool. And so he gave me his spiel, and uh, which was at the time, I think, something like we're right – basically – I'm trying to get songwriters here in Nashville to write some songs with some veterans um, to help. And so I'm like, yeah, man, okay, I'm in anytime you want. I don't know if you're asking me if I want to do this, but I'm telling you right now, man, if you'd ever need a writer, please call me. Here's my phone number. I want to do that. Like I I will, I've always wanted to be able to help people in some shape, form or fashion. Right. Like I I just like to be a helpful person. I feel like, and, um, told him i was like i feel like that's a really cool and interesting way i can use music to do that i said so please call me next morning i was so hungover it was like 10 o'clock in the morning <laughs> i was about to die richard casper calls me and he's like hey man so i got this veteran that needs a, a another writer this morning can you come into the town and ride with us and i was like yeah dude let me go like <laughs> let me go throw up in the toilet real quick and then I'll go, I'll be up there. i've been there brother <laughs> Yeah, and so 
I, don't, I really don't think I actually threw up in the toilet, but for real, I had done that before, and I didn't feel that good that morning. There's a good chance it might have happened. But I rolled up to Daggum Nashville, man, and I rolled into that room, and it was an unforgettable experience. There was like Dude, maybe two, do you have two your, or three. Do you have your guitar there close with you? I do have one, yeah, yeah. I tell you what, if, uh, if you got it in tune and ready to go, why don't you finish telling the story about that song and then and then play it for them? So, okay, so I, uh, it's almost in 10. That morning, I, or after that, that first songwriting session, I told Richard, I said, man, that was, I've never experienced anything like that. Um, and, and I know that you'll probably like, I'm, I was like, I don't have like, <laughs> any number one hits or nothing like that. But like, dude, if, if I can ever be a part, if I can ever help, please let me know. And he just called me. He's called me periodically over the, over the years and uh, has invited me to do volunteering stuff. And I've just jumped at any opportunity I could about a year and a half ago. I was at, uh, this is the one that I played in the round that you heard. I'm broke. Um, yeah. I, uh, I, got a call from Richard and he was like, Hey man. So it used to be, there would just be one vet come to town and Richard would like host them the whole weekend, but it's gotten so big now, at least before COVID. Um, they had like a group of like, I may not be giving you exact numbers right here, but I feel like it was like 10 to 12 guys or something, 20 to 12 guys or girls, veterans. And that came to town to write. And we all met at the grand Ole Opry. He's like, would you want to, would you want to get in on one of the rights over there? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Of course, as always, just let me know what day and I'll make it stinking happy. And so uh, I rolled up over to the Grand Ole Opry, which was a very, very cool and exciting moment. Uh, duh. Yeah. <laughs> I rolled into one of the back rooms with uh, Richard Casper and uh, our new buddy, Mr. Daniel Hebert, and a uh, Nashville songwriter, very great national songwriter, Mr. Dan Couch. You should look him up. He's got um, several Kip Moore hits. Um, I believe some of those might be like uh, something about a truck. One of my favorites is uh, Reckless off that first album. He's a co-writer Ooh, I like that on song. that. I like that song. Yeah, I can't remember all the other ones, and I don't want to give any wrong ones, but I know those are two, uh, two for sure that he was in on and, and uh, many more. But uh, we got in that room that day and uh, <clears throat> did what Creative Vets does. And uh, let's see where my capo is here. Um, Daniel started telling his story and we uh, wrote this song for his kids. This one is called Unbroken. Sometimes it seems like you have to daddy me. Like, daddy, are you okay? Are you all right? Did you have another dream last night? Well, I wish you could have seen me when I felt like Superman. Before I lost that piece of me out in the desert sand. 
No, the sky ain't always blue. And I ain't gonna lie to you. You know I'm broken, but I'm in the fight. Yeah, I'm broken, but I'll be alright. I'm so broken, but here's the truth. I feel unbroken when I'm with you. I'm with you when I'm with you. I feel unbroken. Well, there's a lot of pain behind the scar on my right knee, but the ones that hurt the most are all those scars that you can't see. I try to act tough and cover it up and keep it all locked up inside. Yeah, deep inside, hide. You know I'm broken, but I'm in the fight. Yeah, I'm broken, but I'll be all right. I'm so broken, but here's the truth. I feel unbroken when I'm with you. When I'm with you, when I'm with you, I feel unbroken. The way you smile, the way you laugh, the way you love, it brings me back. You bring me back, hey, you bring me back, you know I'm broken, but I'm in the fight, yeah, I'm broken, but I'll be alright, I'm so broken, but here's the truth, well, I feel unbroken when I'm with you, you know I'm broken, but I'm in the fight. Hey, I'm broken, but I'll be all right. I'm so broken, but here's the truth. Yeah, I feel unbroken when I'm with you. When I'm with you. When I'm with you. I feel unbroken. That right there, the other night when I heard it, you stole me. I'm telling you, that is great. Um, you had another one that you got really into when you did. I feel like it's probably one of your, which you probably love all your songs. Um, every one I heard the other night was good. But uh, you had another one that you just like, you just infatuated the crowd with it. Do you remember which one it was? Uh I think it's one of your new ones. It's not on the slowing down EP. Then it was. I think I sang that that track at, that's on Joe Fortner's new uh, new uh, Rona mixtapes that he dropped a couple. What's the name couple, of that one again? What you can't control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, can you do that one for us? 
Yeah, let's see here. If you got a cool story or anything behind it, feel free to share before you play. It's like a rider's <laughs> round, brother. Yeah, I didn't intend to tell a story with this one, dude. Honestly, me and Job, I respect Job a lot. I, uh, dude, I, I don't know if you've ever seen Job Fortner live. It's, I haven't had a chance to. I know you're talking about or, that. Or band, it don't matter. It's always awesome. Um, but he was kind enough to let me help him with his guitars when he had a filming at uh, the exit Inn, and I got to to see his full band play together and man it was absolutely unbelievable regardless I like I said respect him a lot and uh, <clears throat> I asked him if we could write some songs we had done some like songwriting um, shows up in Michigan together and some like private parties and stuff <clears throat> and he agreed to it <clears throat> while we were all trapped up over COVID <laughs> and dude, we, we sat down and I asked him what he wanted to write about. And, uh, you know, he had, he had something kind of lame happen that day and he told me about it and I was like, Hey, yeah. Okay. And he hit me with the first two lines. You can't write every one of your wrongs and you can't make the world do what you want. And when he said that, I was like, I know exactly how you feel. And we just kind of started really vibing. There was this like musical thing that he did. And uh, <clears throat> he was playing it up here on the neck. And so I started playing something similar down on the bottom of the neck. And did it, it started to come together and it accidentally ended up telling a lot more of my story than I ever intended it to. And uh, Job was kind enough to put it on those list of tracks. Yeah. You know, alcohol is something that I couldn't control. And this is, for me, a lot about letting go of that. You can't write every one of your wrongs. You can't make the world do what you want. You can stick to your guns and keep keeping on. Yeah. Some days you win and some days you don't. But you live and you learn. Sometimes you crash and you burn. But one day you'll find a way to let it go. What you can't control. People will say what they want to say. That don't matter at the end of the day. Because when tomorrow comes, it'll be the past, yeah. These days I focus on the things that last. Cause you live and you learn. Sometimes you crash and you burn. But one day you'll find a way to let it go. What you can't control. What you can't control. Oh. 
can't control. I said what you can't control. Oh, what you can't control. Cause you're leaving. Sometimes you crash and you burn. You can't right every one of your wrongs. You can't make the world do what you want. Damn. I'm glad you're a Chris Stapleton fan because that sounds like he uh, he just did it. That's the Stapleton, <laughs> bro. That's a, that is Stapleton esque. If I've ever heard a Stapleton song, dude, if he wants to sing it, I'll let him. <laughs> oh my god, you murdered that! Uh, and I I think that's the perfect way too, to to uh, to kind of end this show with you. I mean, I I just want to go ahead and tell you from somebody who. Uh, has dealt with alcoholics and everything his whole life. You are a, uh, a true testament of uh, realizing that there's a problem and fixing it. And uh, I think that's very inspiring. I think that uh, you had to go through that bullshit to get to where you're at now. I think without that stuff, you're not as good as a musician or writer, too. Um, I tell everybody that comes in here, and I don't know whether you've heard it on any of my other shows, but I believe every artist has one all-time great song in them. And I, and the reason I say that is because if you can put your life down on pen and paper, that's your life. That's your song. Nobody else could ever write that song. And uh, I look very much forward to hearing the more music come out of you and what else you have because uh, whatever you've put out so far has been good, dude. I Like I said, I've been blasting it uh, to all my friends the past two weeks. Um, yours and some more folks I met that night. And uh, I think you are you have nothing but potential and upside to you. You got to let that beard grow. and uh, Dude, growing. Yeah, just let it grow and keep that head shaved. We'll look like twins. I, I usually keep my hat on, though. So hopefully nobody will confuse you with me. Um, but no, well, I, will, I, wanna, I wanna say this, if you don't mind. Go ahead. I, I will say this, man. Thank you for telling your story like you did on your podcast because I listened to that episode as well. Okay. And, uh, you know, dude, you and Kristen are both, both inspired me to talk the way that I talk today. So thank you. And you're making a big difference. And I mean, you already made a difference in my life and thank you for having me on the show. I will say that I worked at that, that gun store for like a year and a half, man, saving my money. I saved half my paycheck every single stinking time I got paid. And the only thing I spent it on was one guitar until I quit working out there so that I could record music and put it out for people to listen to it. And I did just that. Recorded that e that new EP with my buddy Mr. Ryan Yeomans at his studio, and uh, I'm very very proud of it. And I, if you guys don't mind, please go listen to that for me. I need some more spins on the old Spotify and the Apple Music, and that stuff works like social media. So as soon as you start listening to it, your friends and stuff on those sites, they will be notified, and that will help me tremendously. So go listen to it, check it out, and let me know what you think. Thank you guys for listening this long to my story and uh hanging out with us i really appreciate that and 
dude yeah josh keep just just keep doing what you're doing man these shows are really important and they uh mean a lot and do a lot for folks like me well uh i appreciate that and uh like i said dude um i shared my story i was inspired by Kristen and some other events that happened at the time but i felt like it was something that needed to be told it was very uncomfortable uh i'm sure you know you sharing some of yours was uncomfortable but uh, i'll tell you one thing that i've learned in the past two weeks since i've done it that weight really comes off when you start having people reach out to you that's been through the same stuff i'm sure you're going to get some folks that are going to reach out to you dude and uh you know, you said I had an impact on you so far. You've had an impact on somebody. And uh, the fact that you can do the things you do, talk the way you talk, be as creative as you are, and uh, been through what you've been through, that is a, that's huge. Somebody's going to love you. You just made a, a new fan or a new family member or something today. I hate, <laughs> I hate calling people fans. Um, the people that follow us, the people that love us, you know. But, uh, dude, thank you. Thank you for doing the show. I very much appreciate it. Before we get off of here, drop your social media links. I want to make sure they go add you up. For sure. So, Facebook, I'm Jesse Wayne Taylor. That's my artist page name. That's my real name, y'all. That's what my mama named me, Jesse Wayne Taylor. And uh, on Instagram and Twitter, I don't do a ton on Twitter, but I'm definitely on there. I pretty much just post all my Instagram stuff, but that's both Jesse Wayne T., and heck, I think I did just like, I think I, I literally did set up a TikTok to see if I can figure out how to maybe use that as well, which you, is under Jay Dwayne T. So if you want to go follow me on there and see if I come up with some fun content for that, then by all means, please do. My website is jessewaynetaylor.com. And I also want to give another quick shout out to Creative Vets, creativevets.org. If you are a veteran, if you've served, um, and are interested in learning more about that program, please reach out on the website, creativevets.org. I am uh, right now giving lessons to veterans and writing songs with them, uh, doing songwriting sessions in their building in downtown Nashville. So um, veterans interested in the program, hit it up, Creative Vets. That program has changed my life, and I'm not a veteran. And it's changed my life for the better. And uh, I think if you have any interest in it at all, you should definitely check it out. That right there is why I will support you in anything you need to do. If you got a new EP, whatever coming out, whenever a new single, you let me know. I'll push it on all social media platforms. All the girls that are associated with TikTok and this other mess where they have big social media followings, I will push the hell out of you because of what you do for our vets. Thank you very much for that, sir. Well, thank our vets for their sacrifice Amen. so I can play with my guitars. Amen. Well, thank y'all for listening to Politics, Religion, and Whiskey. Remember, this week's Artist of the Week is Jesse Wayne Taylor. Go check this man out. He is grown. He's a beast. He made me cry, y'all, with his new EP song in there called Papa's Paycheck or Daddy's Paycheck. I can't remember which one right this second. I'm drawing a blank. Either one. It's got Pop Papa's Paycheck, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go listen to it right now and the rest of them. I love you guys. Thank y'all for listening to Politics, Religion, and Whiskey. We'll catch you next time.